Hey, everybody, it's Jesse Ziegler and Quinn Cody's over there. And we're both on microphones talking about the Dakar rally because A, um, we think the Dakar rally is cool. And B, we didn't know where to find out any information about it other than from our friends that were there racing it. So we decided to make a show and share that information with you. Something like that. I, I think mostly I got tired of people asking me for two weeks every January, every single day as hey, I walked around work saying, hey, well, so what happened? Why? Uh, I don't understand. What happened today? And then I would, I would tell the story again and again and again. And then I said, you know, Jesse, this is dumb. Let's, let's make a podcast. Which was also a dumb idea. Yeah. Yeah. Turns I don't know out, which one's dumber. Turns out it was a dumb idea for our personal lives. With our wives, for sure. They are not fans of this podcast. I mean, we, we really don't have anything else going on in our lives, so... Eh. Yeah. Right? Right. What, what else do we have to do? Well, if you remember last time, I almost had a baby at the time we were recording this podcast. It was touch yeah. and go. Yeah, last year, I mean, we're doing better already because I, uh, I had COVID last year the first the first week of the rally so that's true <laughs> i was sitting i was sitting home so that's true a I'm lot feeling pretty happened. good a lot has happened since yeah. last year i have a new baby she is awesome yeah. and you're not on your deathbed this is good we're already off. i tried to kill myself this year i mean you not, did not tried but i uh we're gonna get into that yeah, later we'll, we'll talk about that later but 2023 is looking up though. bones this year 2023 is looking way up from the broken bones of 2022 that's right that's in the past we're going forward uh, so 2023 Dakar rally is starting literally in about three days from, as we record this, uh, once again, the climb Dakar rally daily show is brought to you by climb primarily as the title sponsor. They are stepped up again without hesitation this year and really gave us all the stuff we need to actually make this happen. Um, big shout out to them. They're also contributing a ton of gear and swag to some prizes that we're going to announce really soon. Um, and they just make awesome stuff that I can wear and know it's going to work. Yeah. I mean, Climb's always doing a killer job with, with all their stuff. The durability is, is really kind of the benchmark for yeah. the, for the industry right now. Definitely. Definitely overbuilt sometimes. Sometimes I buy a good new piece of Climb gear and I just wash it like 16 times before I'm like, now it's ready to wear. You're like, the, yeah, you're, you're, you're trying it. to wear it out. Like, man, I, I want some new gear. This, this looks getting kind of old after... <laughs> four years of wearing the same yeah, stuff it never wears out <laughs> for sure um i mentioned prizes and you're like well why are these idiots on the microphone giving away prizes well it's because we have a fantasy league now yeah we, we just we have the world decided to the do. world's only dakar fantasy league good stuff yeah we, so we created the the dakar fantasy derby which is a, a super fun thing basically you get to bet fake money on who you think is gonna win the stage who you think's gonna finish really anywhere on the stage. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's all about accuracy and kind of your knowledge or just straight up gambling. Or just dumb guesses like my style. Yep. yep. I mean, I'm, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of strategy works out. I think it's going to be a lot like Dakar where you're going to go in with a good plan. Something's going to happen. It's going to blow that up and you're just going to have to react to what happens every day. So a fantasy league here is going to be really exciting because nobody's going to be able to predict actually what happens. No. But you know what? Some people are going to win. I know. It's great. And when, and when you win every day, you're going to win some prizes. And uh, we got a lot coming on board for that. And if you win the overall, you're going to have the huge prizes. Yeah. We still haven't nailed down what it is, but we got a lot of stuff. We just have to kind of decide what it what it's going to be. Yeah. We're getting organized. Like I said, this is an experiment. Don't worry about it. It's, it's free. It's free. It's very so you easy. Can't yell at, you can't yell at us. It's not a complicated website. It's very cool. Our boy Radic built that together. Up in BC, 
Yeah, he's got nothing else going on either. It's frozen and cold up there, so he's nothing better to do than sit in the house and work on fantasy leagues. So check it out, chainslayer.com slash Dakar, or you can go to bivouacrally, one word, dot com, click on fantasy, and you can find it there. So uh, without the real people racing in the world, we wouldn't have a fantasy league. And uh, right now we're going to talk to Skyler House, Husqvarna factory rally racer. Cool interview we did Very just cool. uh, two days before he he left. I think it was the day before Christmas that we we had a little chat with Skylar. So uh, this is a, this is a good one, and as always, Skylar is uh, entertaining and mm-hmm. fun to listen to. It's giving us some insight into that recently a privateer, but now a factory racer lifestyle. Here's Skylar. Sorry, I'm keep uh, chewing, Jesse. I'm enjoying a climb aggressive beef, beef snack. Hmm. You know what podcasts need? More snacks in them. Yum. So all the listeners can hear us eat food. <sighs> Sounds real good. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for that. Thanks, Climb, for sponsoring the podcast series again, and also the aggressive meat snacks. But better than aggressive meat snacks, we have aggressive rally racer with us today. Skylar House, what's up? And meat snacks. <laughs> what's up, dude? How's it going? Good. What are you up to? Just packing. Finally uh, finished packing my bags. I'm just uh, waiting on my helmets to get here. So almost Christmas Eve and about time to fly out. So, uh, yeah, getting down to crunch time on the helmets, but they should make it on time. But otherwise, the pre-race jitters are, you know, fully set in. But we got the bags packed and we're ready to go now. So Just uh, everybody knows it's the 23rd today, December yep. 23rd, while we're talking to Skylar. So you leave you leave Monday the day after Christmas and fly. How do you how do you end up? How do you get to Saudi? Yeah, how do you fly there? Yeah, so we're, normally I would just go direct from like LAX, but uh, this year they have the charter flights for safety. Um, so we're gonna fly. I fly straight from my hometown in St. George, go from St. George to like Denver or something, Denver to Paris, and then Paris we hop on the charter flight and go like essentially directly to the bivouac which is kind of strange this year normally we land in the city and you can go to the mall and get Mm -hmm. kind of acclimated and get some things that you might need while you're over there and this time we literally just fly directly to the bivouac and we go straight to the straight to the camp and from the time i land it's like i land the very next day next morning is shakedown Next day after that is technical inspection, and then the next day after that is prologue. So it's like straight Whoa. from landing, right into it. No city time, no shopping time, nothing like that. Why? Right, right into the motorhome, no uh, no hotel, nothing, <laughs> huh? You're just Yeah, but I mean, it is a motorhome this year, so it's not so bad. <laughs> why the change? Why don't you Why don't you have that other time? Is it because the race starts sooner? Or is it just no, because? No, it's kind of political reasons, you know? Oh, the right. whole form, yeah, Formula One deal. Um, if you remember the Formula One race in Saudi Arabia, there happened to be some type of uh, uh, rocket fiasco that happened near oh, the right. racetrack, and so I think they want to um, prevent something like that from happening. I don't really know how a charter flight to a bivouac is going to prevent anything like that, but it is what it is. They just don't want racers scattered around town causing problems. Yeah. Yeah, I think there was yeah. some rumors yeah. about uh bombing or something going on last year in the city and you know they didn't really 
make much of a big deal out of it, but yeah, there's big surprise. And then, and then of course the formula one thing. So hmm. yeah, there's been uh, a little bit that, that part of the world is, I guess a little less stable. Saudi Arabia. You think? There's, well, you know, the middle East in general, Maybe. I think there's Just some people around there that don't, as long as you don't do anything that makes anybody angry ever, you're fine. Yeah. Well, <laughs> We're Americans. We're I wouldn't good, fit we're in. Good at making people angry. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't fit in very well. There. <laughs> no. I don't know. I get that question a lot too. So like, oh, you know, how is it over there? Honestly, like everywhere you go in the world, as as you guys know, you find good people. Yeah. And if you're looking for trouble, you'll find it too. So, uh, I mean, there's all the stuff on the news and the political stuff that you yeah. see, but as far as like racing over there, it's just us and the camels. Yep. You and the camels. Let's talk about the race. What's on your radar as far as what you're paying attention to before you get into the race? As far as rules, is it new rules? Is it new bike stuff? What's uh, top of your mind? Yeah, it's strange this year because there's so many rule changes. Like normally each year they will add one or two. Like, you know, previously we had the tire rule and that was just like one rule change. This year we have a ton of different stuff. We have a speed limit. We have, you know, uh, uh, um, lots of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I the new what like is it? The new waypoint uh, kind of bonus time for opening the stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have. Let's see what there a, may be. There may be AB roadbook. Road yeah. There may be. That's not for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. We'll see. They're telling them that there's going to be an, an AB yeah. roadbook, so they'll have waypoints basically separated so maybe one guy gets a uh, roadbook a one guy gets roadbook b and the, and there's a waypoint or two or three yeah, somewhere together. in the middle that people have the the guys have to split off and so you, you if it's trying to get people to avoid avoid people following tracks is, is yeah. kind of the goal of that and the prologue's you know. important now you can't you can't really hold up on the prologue you got to kind of pin it for that and then the other time bonus thing's pretty crazy the, yeah, the yeah lead out a lot bonus. of what they're doing, I really, I really like. Yep. Um, I don't really know how it's going to play out. Obviously, like right. it could be awesome and it could work great. It could just turn a shit show, you know? Yeah. So yep. it's it's tough to to see in the future, but I actually really like the idea of the AB roadbook. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I like the roadbook in the morning so much is because it just levels the playing field, mm-hmm. and I like that. That's the that's one of the reasons why I like rally so much in the first place is because, you know, it's kind of why I got burnt out of Baja racing and other stuff is because it didn't really matter about a lot of other stuff. It's just mattered to how much homework you put in. And here it's just, you're kind of at the mercy of the roadbook and yourself. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really matter how much homework you put in because you don't know where you're going. Yeah. So, <clears throat> like the AB roadbook kind of just adds another factor to that, which is pretty cool. Um, I don't really know. Obviously I can't imagine them making it too different. You know what I'm saying? Like it's literally got to be, you know, one guy goes left, one guy goes right. And two kilometers later we come back and it's really not that big of a change. Um, Or even they literally just add a waypoint in a different spot Mm -hmm. and we're on the same track. And yeah. literally you just have different waypoints that you have to grab and some person can cut a corner and one person can't type of thing. Yep. So there's a lot of different scenarios, but it's just, you know, it's another one of those factors because 
during training, we, we got a chance to kind of have like an AB roadbook option and like 90% of the roadbook was the same for all of us, but we all took different lines. We all thought we were on a different roadbook. So it stopped you from following even if it's the same book. Yeah. Yeah. We all like quit following each other and we're all essentially on the same level. That's funny. And it was sick. I actually really enjoyed it a lot. Hmm. Might work out. Yeah, no, I think that's, yeah. you know, there's, there's good potential there as long as, as long as the route is close enough to the same where guys aren't complaining about maybe their route, their, their road book was slower than the yeah, other guy. Yeah, having an opportunity that, so. to protest the road book and be like, oh, it's not fair. Yeah, I mean, it, shorter. It, it can't be more than 100 meters apart or, you know, 200 meters apart or whatever. But I, you know, I think it's good to keep guys on their toes for sure. Yep. It's just, it's just interesting because there are waypoint issues, it seems, every year. Somebody's like, the waypoint didn't load. It didn't pop in. I didn't see it. It failed. And then that just complicates that, you know, that potential for drama yeah. almost a little bit. But, but the whole race is drama. So there's a lot of variables out there. Yeah, yeah for sure. And the, uh, the time bonus thing. So, so for people that, that haven't really followed it closely, they're going to basically offer the guy that leads out a stage – they're going to, at every waypoint, they're going to offer a time bonus. So if, if a guy goes, um, leads the stage and which opening the stage is the most difficult. So traditionally people are losing time when they open the stage Yep. and this time bonus thing basically gives guys bonus time for opening a waypoint first. So yep. being the guy that leads the stage out. So first, second, third, we'll get these time bonuses, mm-hmm. um, all the way up to the, I think it's the refueling. They think so, which is, which is interesting. And, and, and I mean, I think it's, it's incentive to, to open the stage and it's maybe, you know, offering a little bit of a compensation for, you know, losing time Mm -hmm. when you're starting the front. So maybe guys will be a little bit less nervous to start up front. It's definitely another variable in there. How do you think it'll play out Skylar, that whole leading the stage thing? Well, there's always a way to work the system, you know, mm-hmm. and what I think is most strange about this is they're giving us a speed limit to try and slow us down. <laughs> they're giving us an A and B roadbook to try and slow us down. And then yeah. they're giving it, giving us an incentive to go as fast as possible. And <laughs> limit, like I, It's just conflicting ideas here. It doesn't really make sense. <laughs> so I, it can go both ways. You can either, you know, try to win, at all costs and ride as fast as you can and try to open that stage. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or it could go exactly the same and just, you try to, because it's really not a huge, I mean, over the course of, uh, you know, let's say up to refueling or whatever. uh, I I think it's a second and a half per kilometer you open, Mm -hmm. but you have to ping that waypoint, I think. Yeah. So let's say, you open the stage and you make it 40 kilometers and get lost. And then someone else opens that waypoint first. You wasted they all get that the time credit effort. And you just screwed yourself, you know? Right. That's so, a big variable. And, you know, it's not going to stop people from sandbagging at the end of the stage either. Mm-mm. So you can go as fast as yeah. you can up to the refueling. Then maybe, you know, the next day is a dune stage. And so You're they're going to, they're going to the anchor off and, big time you know, yeah, hang out. So, yeah, I mean, there's that potential. And then there's also, I still think that strategy is going to come in. There's guys that are going to, you know, look two or three stages down the road and try to figure out where to, yeah. where to lose, where to win. And, yeah. you know, so it, 
it's not eliminating that, but maybe it's just offering a little bit of compensation for for leading. It does the the positive in my mind is it it could be someone saving grace if they have an issue like last year at the first stage. Everybody lost you know tons of time. Top contenders are out there doing circles, and it's like maybe down the road you're like, oh my gosh, I could get. 40 minutes on this stage if I pin it first and I get all these time bonuses. I think it's only, I mean, probably a max of what, 300 seconds. So, oh, because really, it's one and a half second yeah, per it's kilometer. One and a half seconds per kilometer. And the so fueling's going to be fueling. at 200 and some kilometers. Yeah, I think max they're going to go is just a little over 200 for okay. fueling. So, oh. it's not, it's not minutes. It's, you know, it's not tens of minutes. It's, you know, two mm-hmm. or three minutes. That's another idea, ASO and FIM have a super bonus round that has, a 10 X factor for the time bonuses to just throw everybody like, it'll be like Vegas soon. Right. We'll just have everybody gambling. See, and that's the thing. Like I have that same thought about it. Like, yeah, it is a time bonus and it just makes it that much easier of a cushion, but I don't really think it's going to change that much yeah. except for the top, like three or four guys who it like, say it's a difficult navigation mm-hmm. and they all catch each other before refueling. Yep. And it's just going to be a brawl. No kidding. Who can like, be the first one to open up to it and i don't really see that being like a safe option no but, they're gonna uh, be throwing elbows uh yeah so there's that but at the same time like each time say you do a dune stage or you do do something that's even not a dune stage just a difficult navigation like last year we were laying down a sharpie mark with our lines because the dirt was wet and so like on a difficult navigation day i started fourth or fifth i thought it was going to be fine and I ended up catching the lead group by like kilometer 60 mm. and ended up opening the stage. And then you got someone like Bereta who started, you know, 25th. Yeah. And then at the finish of the stage, you're like, yeah, all right, did pretty good. Like we opened the stage, we had a high pace, and then he beat you by like 18 minutes. Right. Like, what the heck? Like, <laughs> the time credit doesn't really help you yeah. out too much. <laughs> you'll, yeah. you'll earn back maybe, what, four minutes of that at, at best. So, ah, yeah, I see. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, interesting still. Anyway, you're you're coming in hot though. We got uh and healthy. Know, yeah, looks like you're you're pretty healthy, which is, you know, can't say that for everybody right now, but um after winning winning in Morocco, which is which is your first your first big win. So how how does it feel coming, you know, coming off of that and and rolling into the rally? You have a lot more confidence this year? Or? Um, well, the thing like you would think after doing like this many Dakars too, that you just have it figured out. Right. But it's the same after I learned after my first Dakar that no matter how much you think you're prepared or ready, like there's always something more that you're going to get, ah, you know, mm. every single time we've done the training, you get someone who's been doing rally for the last, you know, 12 years and they still make the same mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like navigation still comes into play no matter how much you've won two Dakars before you've won this race and all that kind of stuff. Like so much is, is just up to chance. Mm-hmm. Like whether or not you have the brain fade and you miss the navigation or it, whatever, whatever it is. So, I mean, this year started out extremely rough. Like I, I went into the Dakar with a lot of confidence and we had a super good strategy and I was, I put myself essentially in a perfect spot. I wasn't, losing any time yeah so uh, like essentially every single day it was just kind of staying consistently in that top spot where it was just perfect you know Mm -hmm. that's the main goal in rallies to just not lose time right right and so 
Uh, and then, you know, I just hit a giant compression in the dunes and crashed and got a concussion. Like, what do you do? So it started out extremely rough. I probably didn't do as good a job as I, not probably, I didn't do a good a job as I needed to at recovering from that head injury. So I went into Abu Dhabi just not physically or mentally there. Mm-hmm. And so I got another poor result. It was just off my game. It rode like crap. So then I started to realize that was like a big wake up call. Like I can't, I can't not do what I'm supposed to be doing. Like I have to really take recovery and, and my fitness and training and everything seriously. So I really buckled down and got to it. And then silver state came, I won silver state, which was cool. Then Vegas Torino, I won Vegas Torino, which was also cool. And that was also like another, uh, special deal because, like Dalton was there and he was on it all day and rode super, super good. So it was like heavy competition, like heavy pace to, to follow. So that was really good race to win. And I was stoked on that. Um, and then to Morocco and I won rally du Maroc first world rally, win, which was unreal. But the thing that's strange about it is it's like, I just, I just, uh, I'm looking for it. I just did it according to plan. Like everything that all the strategy that you lay out, do the best you can every day. Don't lose any time and just, you know, ride the best you can. That's yeah. it. And that's what I did at Morocco. There was no real like, okay, I have to do this. Day. I have to do this good this day. I have to do this. I was just like, all right, there's nothing. I'm not in the championship point. So I might as well just go as fast as I can every day. And normally I try to play the strategy with like the prologue and like do good on certain days and things like this. And I was like, all right, let's just go fast in the prologue, see how we can do. Prologue's not really like my super strong point just because I'm a real long distance turtle guy. Mm-hmm. You know, moto is not my background. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the way, to, like the best way to describe me is like the longer the day, the better for me. <laughs> you know? I've never seen a turtle with a mustache no. like that. No. <laughs> I don't know, right. so are but, you gonna uh, keep the mustache for for dakar yeah totally i think good. you need to run that he wants to be saying sticking out of the helmet by the time dakar comes around i don't know if we're gonna make it perfect but we'll get there all right sorry but, uh, <laughs> so anyways like uh you know so that's what i did i did, I did decent in the prologue i you know did well there did good in the first stage and on those five-day rallies you have like an odd number of days so you want to do good on the odd number of days Mm. which is exactly what i did it worked out and i won the race and you know it was awesome but it didn't really feel any different to anything that i've done before like it was just it just Just all came together according to plan yeah which was nice and it was super nice to see too because we've also done like a ton of development on this bike Mm -hmm. and just really fine-tuning and and whatnot and so to see it like really put to use and to see how comfortable, you know, we've been getting on it and like just everything kind of coming together, the plan coming together and everything was really nice. And it was stoked. Like I was stoked to win, but, uh, I don't know. It didn't really change much. And I went to, to Sonora right after I won that race, which was, you know, nice. It was, you know, I opened every single day and won every single day. So Mm -hmm. it was good practice there to open at speed and, and try to just, do things, do the navigation perfectly, try to get that practice of trying to open as fast as possible. So all of these things throughout the year have kind of come together 
just off of like my previous experience. However, this year, the strategy is going to be totally whack. Like you don't know really what days you want to win because say like just all the odd days or whatever for it to mathematically add up, maybe that even number like the day four or whatever, day eight or whatever is a really difficult day and you definitely don't want to lose too much time there. So you have to play it more by, I guess, just how you think the next day is going to go. But like you said too, like you can't really do the same old strategy these days because there's so much more at stake. We have a speed limit now, so there's Mm -hmm. like no real time to let the bike make up time because everyone's going to be going at the same top speed. So you have to just ride your best, navigate best, and try not to lose time. So the strategy is just, I don't know, it's just going to be anyone's game. It's so long. That's the hard part is that race is so damn long. Like in five days, you can kind of say, yeah, if I just nail these odd days, I'll be good. But when there's 13 racing stages. It's two days longer this year. So we have longer than also we've got, what, eight stages before rest day. So Mm -hmm. it's a a big rally this year. It's a lot bigger than it's been. It's going to new places on the other side of the country, or at least getting into some new territory. You you talked a little bit about the bike. And, and, you know, it's no secret that, the, some some of the guys have been struggling, uh, you know, the bike set up, it's a new chassis, it's a new, whole new deal. Um, you know, I mean, it was really bold to come out with a new bike as well last year, right before Dakar came out yeah. last year. Like it was a fresh bike and so fresh that it threw some people off. And then other people were riding the old chassis under the KTM group. I think gas gas, I think Daniel was Chucky was riding an old chassis, but, yeah, it was, but it was Sam was started, riding a new so chassis. Some guys, yeah, some guys. And before that, I know from you in the things you talk about when you're not supposed to, like they did a lot of work to that thing to get it up and ready to race at that race, before, like up to the wire, like they were working hard on that thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it, you know they're still working on it this year. It's yeah, you know, and these guys have been testing a lot. But uh, yeah. how how do you? It seems like you've gelled with the bike a lot better than some of the other guys. And it looked like uh, Luciano was was uh, pretty comfortable with the bike in in Morocco. So is it just the Husqvarna? Yeah, what's your uh, is the, the Husqvarna better? that much is better? Better than everything else? <laughs> Are they giving yeah, you a special I'm chassis? Super stoked for I'm stoked for Luciano because. Uh, I mean, when I first signed to the team and all those races leading up to it, Luciano was like an incredible rider. And it just was so strange how the races weren't really coming together for him. Mm-hmm. And it sucks because it's like you could see the frustration where he's like deep down, he knows he's capable of much more. And he just, just couldn't, he couldn't put it together with the bike. And uh, now with this new bike, it, it fits him so much better. Like it was an immediate change to see how much more his confidence grew the second he got on the bike, even when we still really needed to make some improvements to it, he was just automatically way more comfortable and his confidence went through the roof. And so a lot of the smaller guys, which is everyone besides me and Toby, uh, <laughs> actually, <laughs> they actually kind of dig it. So, I mean, the bike is, uh, in general, like better in technical areas and stuff. And it has like a little bit more rideability and a lot of d- different areas. And, um, compared to the old bike, old bike is, you know, the trailless frame that's just built heavy, goes fast in a straight line type of thing. But mm-hmm. this, this bike, different chassis, it's got more rideability and maneuverability and that comes with challenges also. So the, uh, the small guys were, are having different like issues 
than um than me and toby like me and toby essentially ride the bike in a different position and so we're testing different areas and developing different areas of the bike so it's actually like it's kind of interesting to sit there and test together with you know say me and toby or luciano or you know anything like that and see how different we are and where we want to improve places the bike so that's i guess the biggest challenge is every different riding style reacts differently on the on this bike and we want a different setup like previously say if toby liked the setting i would like the setting now it's not the chip now now it's not really the case because we essentially ride the bike i steer the bike from the rear tire so my setup right now is like i'm i'm so happy with it i'm super comfortable Mm. obviously no matter what you do on any bike in the entire world there's always room for improvement but I'm happy with where I'm at right now and I can steer the bike really well. And I'd like, I'm, I'm comfortable on it. And then say like you put Luciano on my bike, well, regardless yeah. of like the suspension setup, even if you put like correct screens and all that stuff, he just, he wouldn't even be able to, he's like, you know, it's so strange how different it reacts versus your riding style. So you guys- it's been a challenge, but we're like in a way better spot now. Are you guys limited by any regulation on, any modifications or stuff you could do to that bike, it's wide open. It's full works basically, right? Yeah, I mean FIM FIM cross country rally is is basically uh, prototype racing. So yeah. you can you So know, you and Luciano could have different swing arms, you could have different frame geometry essentially. You should have different engine placement you know, pivot points could be different. Your foot pegs can be in different spots. You don't have to use any production. Yeah, I mean, piece. for for the team, they don't. It wouldn't like make sense. Yeah, I know because that, then they're using a million different parts. How many more things, dollars so. can we spend to race rally? Yeah, and and just <laughs> you know, that's stuff they have to load on the truck and take to the that's true. To the you rally, to, you and, can't you know, have you can't share parts. But, so, but there's a lot of customization between your two bikes or or it, anybody on the team's. Bikes. If you look at these two guys and and you know you see Skyler <laughs> standing next to Luciano, I mean yeah. Luciano's five foot six seven, seven maybe eight. on a good day it's and so funny i want to find the picture and show it to you but in our team shoot he had to stand on rock so he didn't look so short next to me you couldn't so crouch down a little so bit funny. for him and you see skyler is <laughs> so he's funny. yeah he's hanging off the back of the bike and his ass yeah. is is Touching over the rear, the rear fender, fender. Yeah. and then Luciano, you you can barely see daylight between his butt and the but seat he's standing you know, straight up. standing up yeah lower seat <laughs> yeah but he rides that thing you're yeah. you're right he rips on that thing yeah no it, it's Both cool to see him. he's, he's yeah. a super super good guy and you know it's it's good to see you guys you know having some good results and, and gelling as a team together husky's the good guy team you could tell you should get him to yeah, do a mustache cool. maybe yeah i yeah. tried to talk my mechanic louis into doing a mustache he's you know french guy yeah get the like wee wee mustache going oh, yeah, on he could but, do it uh, smoke a cigarette <laughs> You could smoke a cigarette with yeah. his twirly mustache. Yeah. That's exciting stuff. I'm excited for this race to start. Yeah, perfect. And then, uh, you know, the rest of the team, I mean, you know, you are you are factory Husqvarna this year, so so Rockstar's basically no longer they don't need part, no of, the, energy part of the rally program. And uh, Skyler's bringing his own Mountain Dew. Yep. yep. Jolt Cola. <laughs> Dude, what cola? Jolt. It was the original energy drink. It's really you're dating, old. You're dating yourself. Yeah, Jesse. yeah. Come I'm on. 45, so <laughs> I used to drink Jolt. <laughs> Mountain Dew, though, you know what that is, right? Yeah. People in Utah yeah. drink Mountain Dew. It's really a Montana thing. That's the only thing they drink out here: Dr. Pepper and Mountain Dew. 
Well, you can mind, you talk to those people. Maybe we can get some stickers on the side of that bike. <laughs> Listen, man. At this point, I'd be stoked with anything. No, no, no. I'm actually like <laughs> the. It's it's strange. Like uh, I was so stoked. Obviously, signed my first factory contract. Had Rockstar Energy decked out in the full kit, and then nothing. Like yeah. never. Like nothing came out of it. So I was like, "Huh, oh, that's strange." So we lost. We didn't lose. They decided to go separate ways and now we're just Husqvarna which is actually way more freedom and it's super cool it's really nice but the amount of times that I get the question oh, how come you haven't signed with Red Bull yet and I'm like dude believe me I would love to my phone <laughs> like, is ready for that call that way, you know what <laughs> need to wait a couple <laughs> years for the Rockstar thing to fade away before they yeah jump right on Red Bull I think Dakar's had some of the best sponsorships ever on motorcycles in the history of motorsports racing. Yeah. I mean, cigarettes were the cigarettes were the big led one. French yeah. cigarettes. Yeah, number one. But my favorite all-time sponsor on any Dakar rally bike. There's two of them. Playboy was on one, and Penthouse was on another one. <laughs> oh, there you go. I'm not kidding. We could just do like that Supercross kid and do the OnlyFans sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> Skyler, if you want to plug your OnlyFans, there's a different podcast for that. It's not this one. <laughs> Mustaches. Yeah, Mustache. What do I call that? <laughs> Mustache Skyler. Skyler's I don't know. Got his own I don't know how it works. Yeah. I don't know. If you, have to, you have to come up with a fancy username. I don't know. Instagram Maybe a logo. Subscriptions are about right. Give him a logo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, Instagram subscriptions. Uh, anything else changing in your program for this year? You got same sponsors on board. Uh, you got. Your gear hookups the same, helmet wearing the same, your boots are the same. You change up anything else in your world? Uh, yeah, no. I'm, I mean, I'm pretty big on loyalty and stuff. So obviously, we're sticking with Fly because they were with me like all through the tough years and yep. stuff. And same with Scott Goggles. So I'll stay with them as long as I possibly can. And uh, this year, we changed up the team orders. Uh, we changed up to Alpine Star Gear. And I'm pretty stoked with it. Like the, the the design and the look and everything is really nice. So I'm stoked with that. So now looking the part from the boots all the way up. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else stays the same. Pod knee braces and then all the team sponsors essentially are the same. So yeah. um, really the only difference like in my program is after Abu Dhabi, I hired a personal trainer. So I've been riding with him quite a lot. Like he's a insane triathlete. Oh boy. And uh, so he's, he's, he's a beast like it's mind-blowing i would consider myself like a decent cyclist and it felt like <laughs> dude, he's putting down like olympic times it's banana it's so gnarly like for the cyclists out there we'll ride like a, a 60 mile ride at the end like the last 10 miles is all uphill and he's putting down like over 400 watts and he's in the top five ranking of all of like the red bull you know, Olympian athletes that come out here and do the, the, uh, Train Ryan Ironman George. World Championship. Yeah. And he's in those like top 10 times. Like he's, up, he's so gnarly. Elite level. So every yeah. time I go out there, I'll, I'll train with him and he's like, all right, yeah, let's do like a nice, easy light day oh, today. Yeah. Just go to the pool and swim like 4,000 meters. Oh, I'm that like, sounds great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, <dude>. It's good <laughs> so, though. Maybe that's what's uh, kind of changed in your program. You've had some, uh, some yeah. really, good success the second half of the year. So it's starting to show. And I, I, you know, I know from personal experience that, you know, having someone to push you and to go out on the bike with you and push you and push you at the gym. It's a, 
it's a huge motivation and benefit because it's it's really hard to get up in the morning and go i'm gonna go ride 60 miles by yeah even, by myself even as a factory racer right. skyler's reached the pinnacle of rally racing motorcycles it's not like he has a team around him in a gym that the team owns that he goes to and checks in it's not like he's at a football team where they're, they're they have a gym on site and they have trainers and everything like you're alone a lot of the time away from your team and it's up to you to get your training organized. It's up to you to do the work off the bike to make it happen. Well, and like, I don't want to out myself, but <laughs> I am the lowest paid rally rider as well. So, uh, it's pretty difficult, you know, to, to budget still, like I'm still renting yeah. a room at a friend's house and, you know, still on a budget and I got to budget my training as well. Like I can't go out there and spend thousands and thousands of dollars yep. every month on, on, my personal trainer luckily he's he's also training so if it wasn't for me he would also be out there alone so we're kind of even though he's just he blows my doors off when it comes to running cycling any of that kind of stuff he uh you know we benefit off of each other because we can go out there and ride together and kind of motivate each other and we get along well too so it's it's super cool and like quinn said i mean that if you look at it i haven't actually lost any weight but you know, everything else has changed too. Like, you know, my power, yeah. my, my rides, my gym work, everything else is getting just better and better and better. And, uh, I don't know. I just feel, I feel better all around too. So it's super nice. But it's just that biggest mental change mm-hmm. because in my head, I've always had to go clock in and then clean the house and then prep my bike and do all this kind of stuff. Just things I still have to do, but instead of, you know, clocking in at the, at work now I have to go and train my body that mm. needs to be my work and it's been a hard mental shift to not focus on like cleaning the house and prepping my own bikes and doing things like that until like all right I got to go to the gym like I got to yeah. do because I still got to train alone sometimes but it has been definitely the biggest uh challenge and uh, benefit to everything this year is just getting on like a much more consistent uh, schedule, training program, diet, all that kind of stuff. Like my, my girlfriend is helping me out a ton with my diet. And so we're eating much better. It's not on the ramen diet anymore. My so wife does the opposite. <laughs> she feeds me a lot of terrible, delicious <laughs> food. She's like, eat this. I just made it. I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not an athlete. So I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> you know, and, and it's, it's expensive to be, yeah. to be a professional athlete, a professional motorcycle racer. I mean, and, and the team isn't paying for this stuff for you. They're not paying for your trainer and, your yeah. food, everything. I mean, you know, it, it, just to eat healthy nowadays is, is really expensive, ridiculously expensive. And then to try to take it to the next level is it's, it's tough. And, you know, I, I, I think people maybe have misconception about, you know, off-road racers and rally racers in general and, and, and the kind of money that they're making. And, right. and really, you know, until you, until you win and you win repeatedly, it's, it's, working man's salary and you're not, uh, you know, you don't come in at, you know, 500,000 a year, like, uh, like, a you know, any other professional sports guy in the world, (laughs) you know, and and you come in at a, you know, like a regular salary and you gotta, you know, you gotta earn it. You gotta get up on the podium and, and you gotta win. And, uh, you know, and then there's incentives as you, bonuses and and as you resign your next contract you're worth more money because you're, you're worth won. more but yeah skyler can you talk about any uh not numbers but are do you have race win bonuses and championship bonuses and stage win bonuses like what level of bonuses do they break out in 
You can tell me money too. Well, I don't care. so that's, yeah, that's the most <laughs> interesting <laughs> thing about like my transition from privateer to factory racer, because, you know, looking back and I've said this, you know, time and time again, it was an intense struggle, but it made me appreciate this much more and it, it, as, as far as not dwelling on like, you know, negative aspects and, mm-hmm. and whatnot, because like as a privateer, your main struggle is getting to the race. Yeah. Period. Try, trying to figure out somehow to afford to get there. When you become a factory racer, your struggle is being your absolute best possible, possible self. So you're not, it's not this like, you know, you cross the golden rainbow and you're at this like field of dreams. I'm, oh, I've, I've arrived and now it's easy. Like, oh, I can take time you off. Just traded one hard work for the next hard work. Yep. It's still a grind. You, you, just, you, instead of clocking in, now you have to clock in your box. You mm-hmm. got to be the best possible self. And so, I mean, we've been working real hard and it, you know, backtracked into like the bike development and stuff. Like, we were out there for, for weeks, right? Training and doing road books and, and all this kind of stuff. And so, you know, when it comes down to all of that kind of things, like I, I look back and I say, all right, I, I've, I've learned throughout this year that I may have hastily signed my contract, <laughs> but at the same time, I was desperate. You're I was ready. Mega desperate. I was so ready. Like, and I had, I didn't, I, I, I wasn't an idiot. Like I said myself, okay. I had to succeed. I had to get a top five in order to get bonuses and mm-hmm. stuff, but I got fifth. So I got my bonuses, but I didn't come home to nothing. Yeah. So even though I sold everything, like I was, I was going to be okay. So, um, that was fine, but I just, I didn't know any better either. I'd never been a factory rider. I've never signed a contract like this. Like I always just tried to do right by people and just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever I can do for you. Like I'm just a dirt biker. Like whatever you help me with is great. I appreciate it. So I get my contract. I'm like, Sign, sign, send it, and then going throughout the last couple of years, I'm like, no, <laughs> and uh, like I hear of other people's bonuses, and I'm like, that would be sick uh, to get that time. bonus, <laughs> and I'm not getting that. But I'm not going to really come out and say numbers, but I'll just say it's uh, uh, three times lower than the other riders that you may know. Wow. And on bonuses, three times lower. and on bonuses, is it race win or like stage win or is it just overall at races? Uh, it depends on the event. Like okay. a world rally event would be for the overall win. Um, Dakar has stage win bonuses and overall bonus. Okay, cool. Uh, and then also like my salary is based solely on my finish at Dakar. So like the whole year essentially is based off of Dakar and that one event, but they will you know, award us for doing well at the world rounds and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the other thing too, is like a lot of the other guys are getting their expenses paid and bonuses for like local races, let's say like Vegas, Reno and stuff. And I was like, bro, I just paid all my own expenses. For yeah. that. And, uh, the, the, the prize for that was not even half my entry. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Traditional. Off that's race. what I mean by like, Maybe I should have uh, added a couple things to my contract. Well, that's something didn't you didn't know, know either. You know, you, you, that's the thing is you you know you learn this stuff and, and yeah I, I think you, uh, like most of the other guys your contract's probably up after Dakar right. Mm-hmm. 
So, so that's, then it's kind of like Dakar silly season, I guess, it, you know, everything's yeah. kind of based on your results and, and, uh, it's time to, time to resign. Yep. Hopefully you have, uh, hopefully some you have some leverage, yeah, this leverage year. in your corner this time. Yeah. What do you do? Like, <laughs> it's so hard to like, uh, what was I saying? Oh, it's kind of like, uh, like I got friends that race or race compete in rampage. Oh yeah. Their entire contract for mountain biking is based off of rampage and it's the same thing if you have and you only get two runs rampage Jeez. you mess up like like you're all your bonuses everything you're banking on get a job out the window and it's kind of essentially like <laughs> it's essentially like the same thing for dakar like you mm. have to perform for 15 days and yeah. you just got to put it together so it's it's really tough and i mean the the, the big bosses definitely understand that too but mm-hmm. I mean, this is as as uh, grim as it sounds. We are just dirt bikes, and we are replacing. Like if you don't perform, you have to perform. That's why we're signed. We're we're we're, we're signed to win races. You mm-hmm. got to perform. That's my. That's what I'm hired to do. Yeah. So I got to do it. And if you don't do it, like you just it just is what it is. Like you deal with the consequences if you don't if it doesn't work out. So mm-hmm. I mean, you hope for the best. Train all year and your best every single day and i mean like my whole entire mindset after last year is i had the strategy dialed in and i was doing exactly what i was supposed to and then something happened so this year you know what i'm just going to go back to the same old mentality and just you know, every day i'm going to do the best i can yeah. and i'm going to have a blast doing it because i'm not going to be able to do this forever and so i want to enjoy every single piece of it as much as i can because i love the team i love my teammate and i have a fun time and there's not a lot of people that get to say that they've raced through Saudi Arabia for 15 days. So I'm going to yeah. enjoy that as much as I can. And that's why I want success so I can continue to do it. But at the end of the day, you know, I get to live a life that is not normal and I'm just stoked to do it and I'm going to do it as best I can. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Killer. Sounds like you're winning already. Skyler's <laughs> <laughs> winning. What the Sweet man. Well, uh, you take off what day? Day after Christmas? Christmas yeah, Monday day? Morning. Monday morning. Day after Christmas. Right. Everybody else is gonna be hungover. Yep. We're gonna be uh we're Fat. gonna be rooting for you. Heck yeah, yeah. we are. We're I gonna think, be calling uh, you too. Yeah. We'll make sure you uh charge up your data plan because we're gonna we're gonna get you to send us some voice clips and some interviews from the pits. Just download that WhatsApp, dude. Just oh yeah, we got it. Get that. Get those WhatsApp. bonuses so you can pay your pay your data bill. Calling us. <laughs> Sweet man. Well, thanks for calling us. Uh, taking the time. We know you're probably going to go check your bags and make sure you packed everything for the 14th time to make sure you don't forget something. But uh, <laughs> good luck out there. Have fun in the motorhome. We're going to be rooting for you, and uh, you know we have a we have a new feature to the podcast this year is we have a, uh, a bit of a gambling slash fantasy league going on. So, yeah. um, a good buddy of ours built up a, a, you know, fantasy league basically for Dakar. So people are going to yeah. be able to log in and, and make their picks for the next day and bet some fake Extra money on it. Don't so lose anyone else money <laughs> and we're going to real money. Yeah. We're going to see who's, who's betting on Skylar, which I think after this interview, we're going to have a, a lot of people, uh, Rooting for written for Skylar for I'm sure. I'm personally betting on Skylar. It's not real money though. It's fake money. Fake money. Fun money. I hope I can do you proud. I'm sure you can. All right, man. 
you we'll, we'll let send us you the know. link. You can you can bet on yourself too. <laughs> Night before the race. Night before the race. So I expect to see you guys playing. I expect to see you log see in. You to log in. <laughs> that would be epic. Thank you, guys. You're welcome, sir. You bet. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Cool. Thanks, you guys. See you later. <laughs>